Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Praise the Lord, everybody. John chapter number 20, if you would, you would go there rather quickly. John chapter number 20. And we want to believe God for his grace, his mercy tonight. So appreciate you, your time, you coming, wrestling tunnels, wrestling traffic, wrestling sleep, wrestling your flesh, coming to church tonight. It's not a light thing. Thank God for you. It's a Tuesday. Amen. A lot of things you can be doing on a Tuesday. Thank God you've come to church tonight. May God bless you. May it not be a waste of your time. Don't let this be a waste of your time. In other words, you've got to extrapolate. You know what that means? It means pull something from this. You've got to take something from this time. Otherwise, it's just going to be time that comes and goes. Oh, that was nice. I want you to lean in with everything you have. I want you to have no reserves tonight. You let God. I'm going to preach from my heart a message I got from me to me before it ever goes to you. I'm going to preach, and you're going to be able to see some of me in this message. And I tell you, uh, again, it's going to come from the throes of my experience. And I just want to challenge you tonight to lean in, please. Don't let the devil rob you of this moment. Otherwise, it's just, you know what's going to happen the next time you can go to a church on a Tuesday service. You're going to say, ah, I think I'll just sit here and watch tennis. I don't know what's on TV, but don't do that. Lean in tonight. Can you say amen? amen? John chapter number 20. There's a story in Mark's gospel, chapter 9, of the epileptic son. I know this up close and personal. I almost lost my daughter just in December, which was shocking to my wife and I. Uh, You know, uh, she had seizures while she was uh, pregnant, and she had three of them um, on her way to the hospital. Very, very, very uh, 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 tumultuous, if you would, uh, tempestuous month. December, to see someone have a seizure. I wasn't there, but my son was on the phone with me while she's having one across the seat, and he's freaking. (sighs) To see someone have a seizure would be, uh, 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 I don't even have the words to say. And to, to feel there's nothing you can do. To see them being thrashed about And feel there is nothing you can do. you got to get into this before we read. This father is observing his son, not once or twice, twice, but for years this occurring. Mark 9, it says in verse 21, so he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? Jesus speaking. And he said, from childhood. 
And often it has thrown them both into the fire and into the water to destroy them. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything, he says. <laughs> he says, how long has this been happening? He said, for a long time. Now, come on. I want you to look up here and focus up here. Come on. Everybody look up here and focus up here. Just, just focus because some of you are going to let your minds stray. I want you to look up here. Come on. Look up here. He says, if you can do anything. Have some compassion on us. This speaks well to the struggle that I know very close and personal tonight. That right there. I have literally spoke that passionate prayer before. I have literally said those words to the living God, God, if you can do anything. Now, folks, I know God. I know you are able. I know your power can. Listen, with God, it's done or not done. It's not difficult. I know you can. You're omnipotent. You can do what you want to do, how you want to do it, whenever, however you want to do it. I know you can. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is hard. But yet still, with that knowledge, with that understanding in my mind, I still find it difficult. I find in the certain trial, in the certain moment, in the crux of it all, I find faith being a struggle. Talk to me. I find it being a struggle to believe in the current crisis, not yesterday's. Help me preach my message. Not last month's or last year's, but today's, right now, the situation I'm facing right now. Oh, God, if you can do anything. Now, don't look at me all cross-eyed. I know I'm speaking to you. Faith oftentimes seems to be a struggle to trust and to the greatest of us. In the current struggles, in the current situations. You know what Paul said? Paul said in Romans 7, what I want to do. Huh? Come on, talk to me. What I desire to do. What I want to do, that I do not do. And what I don't want to do, that I do. Now, I know that's speaking about sin. I know he's speaking about the law of sin working in the members of my body and in my mind. I want to serve God. But could it also be that in a current struggle, what I want to do is believe. But I'm struggling and I'm wrestling. And what I don't want to do is not believe. But there I am not believing. Come on, talk to me. The father in this portion of scripture in Mark echoes that sentiment. You know what he says? He said, Lord, I believe. But help thou my unbelief. Is anybody with me? I want to preach a sermon on this. 
And this is for every one of us, so you need to put everything away and focus. Put your phone down. Put your little, your, you don't, don't be breaking out your little YouTube device and, and trying to YouTube this sermon. Don't. Just lean in or you're going to miss it and constantly be struggling with what I'm going to preach. Because I'm going to tell you, 100% of us struggle here. And I don't care from the pastor to this pastor to the, to the greatest of men, you're going to struggle here. You know why? Because you're not God. We're human. Say that. I'm human. Don't ever forget that. And with this comes some struggles of being human. And I want to preach a sermon I just simply call, I doubt it, tonight. Out of John chapter number 20. And again, I'm telling you folks, this is coming from my life. John 20, verse 24. Say amen when you're there. Some of y'all were flipping around going to Mark. Oh, wait, wait. He said John. I was going to go there. Just trust me. Verse 24, now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Eight days after, his disciples were again inside. Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, stood in the midst, said, peace to you. He said to Thomas, reach your finger here. He took him by the hand, or, took, or excuse me, and look at my hand. Reach your hand here. Put, your, put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Father, tonight, I thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace. Father, I'm asking God for supernatural capability. God, to speak as I ought, God, please. God, I pray, arrest every heart. I come against, uh, God, even the, the desire of our own flesh. Uh, Lord God, to be drifted somewhere else right now. I'm asking you, God, you would inspire such a faith and confidence. You would trigger up something inside every man, every woman in this place that releases God. Lord, your presence in their own circumference where they experience the almighty God, El Shaddai, descending upon them in a moment of time. God, I'm asking for grace to speak your word. Help me tonight in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen, everybody. I doubt it. I doubt it. Doubt tonight, by definition, is a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of conviction. Let me talk to you about a man or the man who doubts. John 20, verse 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, stood in their midst, said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 24 says, now Thomas was not with them when Jesus came. I want you to listen to me. He was absent when the reality of Christ's resurrection was made personal to everybody in church. Mm -hmm. Are you listening? He was not there. And I want to tell you something today. Folks that are always absent are always full of doubt. 
They're incurable unless they are there. Faith, the Bible says, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why I'm telling you to lean in. You ain't leaning in. I don't care what you tell me six months from now. You can quote the message, but the message would just be a message with no faith attached to it. Faith comes by hearing and a response from what we hear. When you're absent, your faith's residence is empty. And I declare when that happens, doubt immediately moves in. James 1 Verse 6, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he would receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James said doubt causes instability. Double-minded literally means two-souled, tossed to and fro, one moment up, next moment down, the next moment filled with all kinds of confusion. You know what confusion is? Confusion is trying to fuse some things together that don't mix. One commentator said tossed from within by its own instability. At one time, it's, on the, it's cast on the shore of faith and hope. At another, rolled back into the abyss of unbelief. At one time, raised to the height of worldly pride. At another, tossed into the sands of despair and affliction. Jesus, he spoke some words to the fig tree. As he spoke those words to the fig tree, um, he cursed it. You know the story that no one eat fruit from you ever again. The disciples, they heard this. Um, they heard what he said. And the Bible says they came again, passing by that tree, and they took notice. The tree is withered from the roots. They said, my goodness, look at the tree. It is withered. And Jesus takes the opportunity. And he says, if you would say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and, and believe with no doubting it shall be done. In essence, he's saying there is a powerful movement, um, a force coming from the words that we speak. Um, and Jesus says, do not doubt this. What he's after is you and I having a faith that doesn't doubt are you with me? It's you and I being able to look at circumstances and recognize God, understand the gravity and the power of the God in whom we serve and he who dwells within us and say what we're going to say and say it with confidence and faith and belief that God, all I have to do is say it and I know that there's some working. I know. He's saying you need to live like this. But see, we live in reality. Help me somebody. So what's at stake when doubt moves in? What's at stake? Hebrews 11, verse number 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. When doubt, your doubt, my doubt, rises above our faith, we suffer. Our home 
where our faith resides gets empty. And as a child of God, this is dangerous because we are called by the word of God to live by. This is dangerous for you. Dangerous for me. When our faith gets empty where we live. Because you know what happens when that happens? We're children of God. We live by faith. You know what happens? We get empty. As a Christian, you're a shell of a Christian. You're an empty man, an empty woman that has verbiage but nothing internal. You know what happens then? Oh, you can say it and everyone else will believe it, but you, you is the issue. We're always after the you, the individual. God's after the individual. You struggle with fear. You struggle with insecurity. You struggle with having vision to see the possibilities of God because in your own experience, you don't see it. You know what happens then? Destiny, beloved, becomes uh, something that is at risk of being forfeited. Uh, Why? Because doubts, doubts create uh, an intense wrestling match inside. It creates something inside the man. Oh, externally we're smiling, but inside there's something happening. The man who doubts, the Bible said, is tossed like a ship driven and thrashed by the waters that it is literally resting on. The things that you and I are resting in, the house of God, the place of God, the faith of God. Listen, these waters can get, and all of a sudden, we are losing in the battle of faith. We're tossed around by what we should just be resting on. Tossed and driven by our doubts. I'm talking about internal, internal wrestlings. And I'm not talking about some small thing. No, I'm talking about violent internal shiftings that's happening. How many have a washing machine? Let me say, how many have ever washed some clothes? Some men are like, man, I, I never washed nothing. Wash some clothes. You take your clothes, you throw them in the washing machine, you turn it on, you shut the lid. Turn it on. And you know what happens? You turn it on, especially these new ones. It's like. You know what I'm saying? We got a coffee bar right next to our, our, uh, our laundry room. Can't even hear it. Laundry machine is so, so quiet. We're over there. The coffee machine's louder than. It's making all kinds of espresso noises, but the, the, the washing machine's still But go over there and open that lid. You open the lid, it's like. You see them clothes on the inside? Water splashing, dirt is flying. You shut the lid. You open the lid. That is the picture of what a man or woman who doubts is like. You look good, but inside there's this this internalized wrestling match. You're trying to process stuff. You're trying to rinse things. You're trying to work things, and it ain't working. It's all crazy on the inside. I know what I'm talking about. It's all crazy on the inside. Praise God, brother, but inside. I believe God. Hello? Internalized wrestlings. Okay. Let me show you this at work in Scripture. Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship. Perfect with each other and perfect with God. 
We can't even fathom that. In the greatest of our ability to try, it's tainted by the fact that we are imperfect and sinners from nature. We can't even fathom that. Perfect? Yet in their perfect relationship, Satan came and whispered some words in the ear that caused their mind to be split in thought. They knew God. Come on. Yet the devil succeeded at causing them to doubt that they knew God like they thought they knew God. Folks, get this. They knew God, but now they're... I don't know, man. You with me? They knew that God was good. But now they're hearing he might be keeping something from them. And the result is that doubt caused something to occur inside of them, a series of bad decisions that resulted in sin. That sin then released some things. It released judgment. It released banishment. It released death. And in case they thought it wasn't for real, just give it a moment. Both of their sons' destinies are completely destroyed. There were times, brothers and sisters, where I have doubted, and because of my doubts, I made some bad decisions. Where I had some doubts um, and I reacted to my doubts um, and by reacting, it released some horrific things into my life. There was pain that was released into my life because of my doubts. I ain't talking about yours. You got to deal with your own. My doubts. There were relationships that I had that were immediately soured. Why? Because I doubted their ability to care for me. My relationship with my pastor was fractured because I entertained doubts. Are you with me? Doubts, brothers and sisters, create confusion. You cannot process things correctly. Doubts create inactivity. Are you hearing me? I'm, I'm, I'm exposing this demon because that's what it is. It creates an activity. Doubts, um, they mar or they scar your thoughts. Thoughts used to be pure like the, the driven snow that falls from above, but then all of a sudden you get some doubts and now everything is skewed and jaded. Doubts jeopardize your future. Jeopardize, man. Doubts diminish usefulness. Used to be useful, but now it's just kind of backpedaling and backpedaling to the point where you're unuseful for anything. 
doubts retard your spiritual growth. Used to have this plateau. Used to be running towards something that was way out of reach. Like Paul said, I am reach forward for that call. I am pressing for not that I have apprehended, he said. But see, something happens when doubt kicks in. All of a sudden, we apprehended. Can see it with new converts. They get radically saved. They're loving God. They get filled with the Spirit of God. Begin reading their Bible, and they're. But then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden they're just kind of like right there. And I don't care what you say or or what you. No, no, no. The next step is this. Next thing you know, they're old friends. They're going back with them. Next thing you know, they're old job. They're going back. Had a man, got radically saved. He was a homosexual and had HIV. Got saved in my church. I told him, you backslide. If I even catch a glimpse that you're backsliding, no questions asked, I'm going to kick you out of the church. You hear what I'm saying? I know that sounds mean, but I'm dead serious. You ain't going to touch no boy. You ain't going to look at no butts. I said, do you understand? He looked at me and said, yes, sir. And man, about six months, his voice is changing. He quit his job. He began hanging around with the men. Things began happening in his brother's life. And one day I'm observing him. And he, he kind of gave me that little strange quirk in his eye. I said, hey, what's up with homeboy? He said, oh, Pastor, he got that old job back. I said, hey, come here. He came up. I said, the door's out that way. Go hit it. You know what happened? He got that job back with those same nasty homos. To this day, the dude's a mess. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They just backslide. They'll be sitting in the church, be sliding down. Doubts remove convictions. Used to have convictions to read your Bible. Used to have conviction. It wasn't a church thing. Pastor always telling me I need to read my Bible. Why in the world would we tell you to read the Bible? Folks, we ain't Catholics. This ain't in Latin. So you can know God's word yourself, so you can hear God yourself. And you know what happens when that occurs? You become a greater asset for the church and the kingdom of God. But when you're a numbskull and don't read, then all you do is get force-fed like an infant. And then you stay immature. I tell everybody, don't trust my word. You better know the word. Don't take my word for nothing. I'm only coming from the word. You ought to be able to amen from start to finish. But see what happens when doubt moves in and we allow it to rest there, it removes your convictions. You still want to be in church. Now we got to call and beg and plead. Go pick you up. Man, whatever happened, man, I'll take the bus. I'll beat it. I'll ride a skateboard. Let be like, I'll give me a scooter. I'll do something. Nah. Man, ain't nobody picking me up. I guess I ain't going. What's wrong with you? I'm telling you what's wrong with you. You let something else move in. Removes your convictions. The decision to believe the gospel, good news. The decision to come to Jesus with all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our past failures and bring it to the Lord at the foot of the cross and allow that blood to trickle upon us. 
That decision is what releases God's salvation and purpose and plan for your life. That decision is what draws them that are afar up close. But listen, that requires faith. It requires faith. Paul, he said, you must believe that he is if you're going to come to him. Faith creates an atmosphere for God to reveal himself to you. That is what is at stake. When doubt moves in and takes residence, wherever faith would typically have risen up, doubt will rise up and strangle it. And doing this, it removes our hope. Doubt then casts shadows everywhere. Used to walk in the light as he was in the light. But when doubt moves in, all of a sudden you move out of the light. You with me? You step out of the light, and the moment you step out of the light, now there's a shadow somewhere. When you're surrounded by light, the shadow's where the Bible says the devil's supposed to be, under your feet. But when you come out of the light, all of a sudden there's a shadow, and you're, ah! It's a reality. And then you're running from God from shadows. Folks, listen to me. If the devil can cause you and I to doubt in one area, the goodness and the providence of the God that we have surrendered our lives to, he will then move into other arenas as well. In Matthew 12, I said it the other day, I say it again, states emphatically that the latter end of that man is worse than the beginning. Think about this. He causes you and I to doubt in his care. You know, one of the worst things you can say to your mom is, you don't even care about me. My daughter just had this baby, Eli, my grandson, first one. She almost died. They're wheeling her in, the emergency surgery. They didn't know how this was going to go. Her blood pressure was so high, they said, we have to move now. She can bleed out. And as they're wheeling her in, they told my wife, um, my wife, say your goodbyes. Now, for Eli... To grow up now at 9, 10 years old and say, you don't even care about me. You little pest, I almost died to birth you. Are you hearing this? We doubt God's care. Can we just be honest? Can you just come off of your little religious stool? We doubt his care. The disciples in the boat said, don't you care that we're going to perish? Don't I care? I can't even imagine what's going through his mind who knows the end from the beginning, and he's already thinking about the nails. He's already thinking about the, the cross and the whipping, the mockery. Don't you care? See, that's what doubt does. It gets you to say stupid stuff like that. Because it removes all senses from us and we can just blurt stuff out.
cause you to doubt his care when you're struggling in resource. God, your promises aren't real. You start touching the tithe. Now, I'm going to stay on that for a minute. You start struggling, and all of a sudden, well, God understands. No, we don't understand. What's holy is holy. What's sacred is sacred. But when doubts kick in, it ain't nothing holy and sacred no more. Why? Because, well, man, I'm just struggling. Well, like God don't see that. Maybe God's trying to teach you to learn to trust him. See, the problem we have is in the struggle, we make up our own way and say, well, God just showed me a way. No, he didn't. Your doubt did, and it will keep you subjected to it. When God does it, it's an absolute miracle. A sea parts. Manna falls from heaven. God provides. And when that happens, it strengthens your faith. But when you do it, it strengthens your doubt. It caused you to doubt in your church. These people in this church, man, they, man, they don't care. They don't know nothing about me. They don't know my struggles, my problems. They, man. Hello, somebody. Church full of hypocrites. Folks, I don't know how much more I can take of that one. I have a brother told me that, I don't know, someone told me that, I don't know, some time ago, and I literally went off. Man, the church is full of hypocrites anyway. I said, man, you better knock that nonsense off. The grocery store is full of hypocrites, but you stand in line at Walmart. Well, hypocrites all up in Walmart. I ain't going there. Then starve. Come on. Oh, hypocrites. Man, thank God that hypocrites are up in here. It's better to have hypocrites up in the church where it gets preached out of them than out there where it's encouraged to stay in them. Talk to me. Cause you to doubt your pastor's care. And you know what happens when you begin to doubt your pastor's care? The Bible says God has given him to you. Did you hear me? The Bible says he is a minister of the word, and that word is crafted to give you and I eternal life. Now you won't hear from the messenger who's bringing the word that will bring you eternal life. What do you have in you? Well, I just get it myself. I doubt it. In the same way, same way you twist it. I'm not going to go into all that. We just doubt his care, and all of a sudden, we don't hear nothing. Again, James said, and man who doubts becomes unstable in all. Starts in one or two arenas, in all of his ways. It begins with a doubt here, an internal <laughs> uncertainties, lacks of convictions, and then every arena of a person's life becomes subject to the incredible instability. You know what the devil does? The devil does what we did in the, in the pack war. We went island hopping. 
We couldn't just fly into mainland Japan. We had to fight island and island and island until we can finally get to the mainland and end this war. That's what the devil does. He gets one small piece of your life, and then he island hops from that to another to another to another to all of a sudden he's right at the epicenter, your heart, your mind, and you're all messed up. But it all starts with one doubt, one chink in your armor. Is everybody on board with me? So what in the world do we do with our doubt? Who has doubts? Raise your hand. Look around. Just hold your hand up. Look around. Everybody look around. Look around. We're human, man. Having doubts does not make you evil. It don't make you evil. It makes you human. Okay, watch how this works in Scripture so we can close. God just spoke his promise of descendants to Abraham. He told him about offspring. Abraham, you're going to have descendants and offspring. Um, yeah, yeah. In Genesis 17, 17, Abraham's going to respond. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart. He didn't say it with his mouth. He said this in his heart. Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child in his heart? Externally, he falls down like he's going to worship. Inside. Now, you call that what you want. But I'm telling you, that's doubt. Now, what did God say to him? You evil, wicked Abraham. That's why I can't use you. I'm going to find someone else. No, you keep reading. Just one chapter later, he calls him a friend. You with this? Genesis 18, 12, the Bible says, therefore, Sarah laughs within herself. Why? Because they just said that she's going to bear a child. The angels came to visit. And here they are. God speaks this time next year. She's going to bear. And the Bible says she laughs in herself, not externally, but inside. She says, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure? You know the story, Gideon, Judges 6, 17, God comes and visits Gideon, speaks destiny over Gideon. Gideon, rise up in this might of yours. And Gideon says in 6, 17, if I have now found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it's you who talked to me. Tell me you have never said that before. I have. I remember me and Pastor Campbell were talking one time. Pastor Campbell was offering me a few things, and one, like I told you, other overseas and different things. And I'm, I said, you know what, Pastor, I'm unsure. I'm feeling maybe, you know, maybe. And so I think I'm just going to throw a fleece out there like Gideon. Pastor Campbell laughed and said, well, you know what Pastor Mitchell told me? I said, what? He said, Pastor Mitchell said the devil likes to pee on fleeces. You see, he asked God for a sign, then he he gets one. He goes up in a flame. Then later he asks for a fleece. Show me the, this you, uh, the fleece. Um, everything else wet with the dew but this fleece. And then he reverses it after that happened again and again. But what God said, man, I'm done with you, Gideon. He used him mightily. Peter, he responds to his doubts that it was Jesus walking on waters. He said, if it's you, command me to come. And you know what Jesus said? That's your atmosphere, your faith is created. Come. 
And the Bible said he took some steps outside of the ship and began to walk up on the water. But then immediately he began to sink because he began viewing the winds and the waves. And the Bible says immediately he became divided. He screamed, Lord, save me. Matthew 14, 31. And immediately, I love that. Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He didn't sit there and say, drown! He started out with great faith and said, I can walk on water. But that great faith was immediately purged by the doubt. They can't coexist for long. You always sink when doubts come in. And Jesus didn't call him evil and wicked, ungodly. Instead, you read later, he says, thou art Peter. Y'all ain't hearing this. Thou art Peter. And upon this rock I shall build my church. Matthew, probably the greatest one of them all, and I'm finished right here, at least with this example. Matthew 11, verse 2, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said, are you the coming one or do we look for another? This is the one who said, behold, the Lamb of God. This is the one who heard God say, the one in whom the spirit rests on like a dove. This is he. This is the one who said, I'm not worthy to, to unlash his sandals. This is the one that he said, I need to be baptized by you. But see, that was when he was free. Now he's in some turbulence. He's in some trouble. He's locked up in prison. And now things shift. Now the devil has some, some leverage to bring some doubt in, and these doubts come his way. And what did Jesus say of these doubts of his? What did Jesus say? Well, if you read Matthew eleven eleven, he says this, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. That's his answer to this man's doubt. He didn't say, you wicked man, die in prison. To say that these men didn't doubt would be wrong of you and I. Because the Bible doesn't hide it. But what it does reveal is that their doubts didn't remain that way. That they moved forward in spite of their doubts. That somehow their doubts were shifted and changed into convictions. Hebrews 11 states that Abraham never wavered at the promise of God. But he laughed in his heart. He fell on his face and laughed in his heart. But beloved, when he got up, he got up and believed God. Are you listening to me? He didn't allow his doubt to cause him not to trust the God that saves them. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with you? Hello, somebody. Genesis 15, 6 said he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. In our text, um, Thomas speaks doubt's verbiage. John 20, verse 25, unless I see his hands, unless I put my finger in the nails, unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. I will not. Jesus comes. He comes to Thomas and said, place your hands, touch this, see this, feel this. 
Listen, friends, this is how God always turns our doubts into great faith right there. This is how. God will answer your doubt with a personal visitation in your own circumference where you are. God will answer your doubt according to your doubt. Notice he appeared to them all. I mean, God comes where he's wanted. Let's tell the Raleigh Church that. See, folks, Jesus comes where he's wanted. If he ain't wanted here, you'll miss him, but he's wanted here. (laughs) I ain't going to miss him. He came to them all. And then he came specifically for Thomas in that church service. Are you listening to me? That's why it's important for you to be at church. Well, you're going to be preaching on marriage. It don't matter. You are going to get something from it from God. God is not going to cause you, like I said in the beginning of the sermon, to come to a place in the house of God and waste your time. The problem is you're too busy doing everything else and not focusing, not leaning in, and you miss what God would have for you. He came specifically to Thomas. Also notice that he came to Thomas when Thomas was present. He's like the father in the prodigal story. He didn't go run into the far country, and Jesus didn't go chase Thomas down at grandma's house. He simply came to him when he was at church, and he answered his doubts. Now, remember, doubt by definition is a feeling of uncertainty and having a lack of conviction. That's how people come to church. Trust me. That's how we come in. There's arenas of our life that we're uncertain. There's arenas of our life that we're lacking in conviction. We come to church just like that. But here it is. Um, In the typical church service, here's one man that shows uh, an entire arena that you and I can amen to. Here it is in the church, John 20 and 28. Um, The Bible says um, he comes to Peter, he comes to uh, John, or uh, 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 Thomas, and he begins to deal with Thomas, um, and Thomas, um, touch this, feel this, know this, this is personal, and in the end, it says in verse 28, Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. Here it is, um, where he was so uncertain before, here he is, he's got conviction, here he is, he's certain, God, please help us to leave church like that. To leave church with this certainty, a conviction, my Lord and my God. Can you say amen? See, the question is not do we doubt, because we do. The real question is, Lord, what in the world do we do with all our doubts? You want an answer? I said everything in this sermon to say this. Doubt them. Come on. Instead of believing all of your doubts and then doubting all of your faith, doubt your doubts. Doubt your doubt is right. And then take a step by faith and believe God. Doubt the doubt that's right. Say, you know what? I doubt it. No, 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 no. I doubt that. Doubt the doubt that says God will not use your life. 
Doubt the doubt that says your finances are going to get worse if you give to God and tithe. Doubt the doubt that says you'll lose your marriage if you go all out for Jesus. Doubt the doubt that says you're sickly and you'll remain that way till you die. Doubt the doubt that says you're a failure and you'll never be anything else. Come on, doubt your doubts. Who told you that your doubts were right? It's absolutely amazing to me about me. That I'll get a doubt and immediately everything in me gives credence to that. And then I begin doubting the faith that Jesus died to give me. Are you with me? Help thou my unbelief. Doubt comes in and immediately, it's like it comes from God or something. We just have all this, we, we immediately believe it and it like zaps our faith. We can be running for God and all of a sudden a little doubt comes in just like in the garden. Like I said, make bad decisions, sin, all of a sudden judgment, banishment, all this from one doubt. If that can happen for Adam and Eve, happen for me, I know. Don't kid yourself. Don't permit your doubt to survive unchallenged. Because doubt that stays will diminish the faith that God has given every one of us a measure of to walk on water. All it takes is a mustard seed. And listen, he's given everyone a measure of faith. At least that much we have. And the moment we doubt, we sink. Don't let your doubt survive unchallenged. Challenge it. Say, you know what? I doubt you. You're right. And watch. Where does doubt come from? God, did you get? No, you didn't get. I rebuke this. I cast it down. I bind. But instead, we just. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and, and you know what? Maybe, right? No. Can that. You tell the devil, he ain't going to whisper to you no more. You hearing me today? This spirit, it's a spirit, it's a demon spirit. And I'm, an addre- I'm addressing it tonight. You're not going to molest my faith. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes tonight. You're not going to molest my faith. I choose to believe God. I choose to trust God. I am not going to entertain all the doubts that you're throwing at me. You cannot help. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.